Good day. <laughs> uh, this is Victoria with Dream Dogs. And uh, this is our live webinar. So we do a weekly webinar on Facebook Live Tuesday nights at 5.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And then what we do is we upload that to our podcast usually the next day. Uh, and our podcast, we actually just changed the name of it. So it was How to Train Your Service Dog with Dream Dogs. And we switched the name. Uh, and we're switching the name because we're shifting everything. We're shifting our online school because, yes, we do have an online school. It's not just a bunch of courses. It is a full school. And we're switching the name of, of the, the courses in that school. Uh, we're reshooting those videos. We've got one whole module done um, to reflect what it is exactly that we do and what what that is, is the Nipopo way. So how to train your service dog, the Nipopo way is our new brand new name of our, our, our uh, podcast. So you can still search for how to train your service dog. It will come up, but it is actually how to train your service dog, the Nipopo way, um, because I adore the Nipopo way and I have embraced it and I got permission from Bart and Michael to do that. Uh, along with the uh, four day school that we're doing at the end of February. Um, that is how to train your service dog, the Nipopo way. Uh, the online course, the new name of that, once we get the videos up and it reflects that will be how to train your service dog the Nipopo way. And our 60 days to your dream dog, which is our pet behavior modification and service dog included, uh, online course and normal course is gonna be 60 days to your dream dog the Nipopo way. So I'm very much excited about that, but I wanted to, to make that announcement because I played around with it and I changed the, the name of it last week. So if you're saying I knew this, it's because you're ahead of the game, guys. Uh, so that's what we have going. And uh, Elena, uh, hello, first time catching it live, loving the podcast. Elena, that makes me very happy. And Samantha says, I can't wait for this one. So we do have a topic for tonight. And that topic is service dog certifications and fakers. Um, as you know, we train, if you haven't guessed by now what we did. So our website is dreamk9. Uh, that's a letter K, the number nine.com. And we're dog trainers. It's what we do. It's our profession. So I, uh, I've been training for, I want to say around 16 years now. Um, because Luke just turned 18 and, uh, Rich was doing engineering work and I got him dog training. I don't even know how long ago, at least six years, um, probably a little bit longer, uh, full time. So this is our family business. Luke just turned 18 over the weekend. He said, no, I started training when he was around two. Uh, he'd come with me. <laughs> he'd come with me to private clients because Rich had the office job. So he couldn't just take off and we didn't have a training center at the time. So I was doing in home privates with people. So if they wanted us, they wanted me to come over and train the dog and Rich was at work or working overtime, uh, Luke had to come with me. So he'd sit at their table and color and draw. And that's why he's a good artist. Um, he'd play Hot Wheels. I always had Hot Wheels in my purse. Um, but he has been around dogs. He has been training dogs longer than most professional trainers. Uh, and then whenever we would do boot camps in our home, you know, Luke would help out with them because he was with me. We didn't have any family in the area. So I couldn't just say, Hey, I don't trust people to babysit. So, you know, he came with me and it worked and it worked out really good. But because of how I got into dog training, I did not get sidetracked because of how I got into dog training through the service dog, we've always kind of, it's been over 16 years of service dog work, guys. And we've seen a lot. And we get phone calls all the time from people. So I wanted to share some information about dog certifications and fakers. Because that is the title for tonight. That is the topic. That is what we're doing tonight. Uh, for example, I got a call. Um, I get a lot of these type of calls, actually. And the first question is, I want my dog to be a certified service dog. Uh, okay. I have to explain to them. So this is it. This is the podcast that I am now sending everybody to, to answer this question, because there is no legal, legitimate, and recognized certification for service dogs, period. End of story. In the U.S., period. End of story. Uh, there are a bunch of fly-by-night companies that have opened up, and a lot of them, some of them are free. Some of them are upwards of $600 or more to register your dog as a service dog. Now, a lot of the businesses, especially the airlines, are catching on to this. And actually, if you look at some of the airline stuff, it'll say that 
if you try to present any of these ID cards from any of these organizations, we know that your dog's a fake and you're not going to be allowed on, which is amazing because I'm going to tell you a story. And I think I've mentioned it before. I'm pretty sure I have. But whenever I was training dogs in uh, Gainesville for the Greater Gainesville Dog Fanciers Association, I had my first service dog, Boo, who was a Siberian Husky. And there was a girl there with a dog. And she was from the Midwest. And she was down in Florida because she was showing. And her type of dog, her like the head or whatever, um, of, of her dog was doing really well in the Florida circuit. So she was down here showing her dog. So she had a job um, down here that she got transferred down here so she could show her dog. Now, her dog was actually her husband's service dog, but the husband was still up in the Midwest. Many, many, many states away. And as we're talking about it after group class one night, identification card from one of these scam registries. And the people there said, oh, you can tell he's legitimate because he has an ID card. Where's Boo's ID card? Boo was my husky. And I said, I don't have an ID card because they don't mean anything. And they said, well, Vicky, your dog must be the fake. And this other dog must be legitimate because they have an ID card. And they were serious about it, guys. And I said, there is no ID card needed. What doesn't matter? She has one. So therefore, I said, her husband whose service dog it is, is up in the Midwest. So apparently he doesn't need it. Even if you're like, I really, really, really need that. So I'll go without my service dog. While he's down here, the dog's not considered a service dog because his owner, his handler, the person he provides the service for is how many states away. Didn't matter. They believed it. And these are people who should actually have known better. But that story, that thing, that conversation, I guess, has always stuck with me, always. And everyone would believe it. So you can go, honestly, you can go on Amazon for about $30, you can get an ID card made up. Um, you can make up your own and go to Staples or Office Store and get it copied out. Kinko's, I'm sure would do it and laminate it and put a holographic seal on it. So it looks all legit. It don't mean a thing because it ain't got that zang. But seriously, there's no legitimate registry for service dogs. None, period, end of story. There is none currently at this point in time in the US. So how do you tell if the dog is a real service dog or not? Training, uh-huh. There's only two questions that the gatekeepers can ask you. Now, a gatekeeper is like the owner, the manager of the store, the, the greeter at Walmart. Um, the security guy is at Disney or Universal. And the two questions are, is that a service dog required because of a disability? Yes or no. What task or work has the dog been trained to do? That is it. They can't say, show it to me. They can't say, um, I don't think that's real um, because um, there is no such thing as a seizure alert dog. They can't say that. Now, if your dog is being a beast, if your dog is pooping, is peeing, is um, all over the place, is barking, is aggressive, makes someone fearful, not, well, someone over here has a dog allergy, so you can't bring them in here. That doesn't count. Oh, I'm afraid of dogs, so you can't bring them in here. Doesn't matter. <laughs> Those don't matter at all. Um, but if your dog is being a jerk, like your dog should not, cannot, will not be seated on the bench beside you at a restaurant, must be on the floor um, at a restaurant. Um, if your dog is barking, growling, lunging, biting, if your dog is snapping at people or other dogs, if your dog is not potty trained and poops and pees, especially inside, you know, your dog's not a service dog and they can ask you to leave, but... And here's this for businesses, all you guys with businesses. You, you must remove your service dog from the premises, but you are welcome back without your service dog. Because if you don't add that extra little bit at the end there, you could be, what's the right word? Being mean to a person with a disability and kicking them out because they have a disability, not because they have a naughty service dog. You see the difference? So you have to remember little things like that. Now, we've all seen fakes. Um, we have plenty of stories about fakes. Um, and, and they're everywhere. How do you spot a fake is usually someone smuggles it in. Usually they, this is how I spot fakes. Cause again, this is my profession. It's what I do. So I usually have a service dog with me when we go out shopping out and about town. 
Um, sometimes they'll have shirts that say dream dogs on it. Sometimes Rich has them and Luke has them and we wear them. But what we find are people will come up, where did you get that? that trainer and that's how I get them. Oh, because I want one for my dog. Oh, is your dog a service dog? No, I just like to bring them everywhere with me. That's a faker. Okay. Um, or um, I'll get these type of phone calls. And, and I started to tell you about this before, but then I kind of tangented off. Uh, these type of phone calls of, I want my dog to be a certified service dog. Well, there's no such thing as a, a certified service dog. That's like saying I want to be Princess of Mars. Like, there's no such thing. I, I can be a princess, but I can't be a princess of Mars in real life because there's no such thing. Um, so when I talk to people about it and they say, oh, there's no such thing, then why do I need you basically underneath their breath? And that's it. I never hear from them again. There's still that training aspect involved. And if you don't do the training, because you don't want to say forever that your dog's a service dog in training. Now, in the state of Florida, service dogs in training are granted the same um, availabilities, I guess, as fully trained service dogs. But, you know, is your dog who's been in training for six years? Like, seriously? Like, it comes a time, guys, you have to fish or cut bait. And that's going to be a time to cut bait. So, and there are, I love this topic, right, Anjanette? Uh, Florida has statutes, and it's a misdemeanor, uh, to misrepresent your dog as a service dog. Okay, so that's that's against the fakes. Now, has it been, um, has that been used? Uh, I don't think so. Um, I really don't, I haven't heard anything about it. And it's a shame because it needs to be something that is prosecutable prosecutable because it's supposed to be it is it's supposed to be and like I don't think it is right now I think it's something on there just to have some different um, states have that as well uh, here 23 states I'm googling it right now as I'm talking to you and this has been driving me crazy I have one of these wrist coils on one of my clickers it's all silly so I'm gonna try to work that out so it's like I guess a fidget spinner for dog trainers uh, fake service dog laws by state here, 23 states have them. So that's less than half guys. We need to have more than that in the state of Florida, a law passed in 2015. So it's been on the books now for four years, m classifies misrepresenting a dog as a service dog as a second degree misdemeanor. It's a $500 fine and up to 60 days in jail. Okay. <sighs> So service dogs in training have the same accessibility as fully trained service dogs. And then you have that. So you need to understand this when you're doing this. This isn't a, I get to take my dog with me everywhere. <laughs> we actually saw, I want to say about half a dozen dogs Saturday when we were at Epcot for Luke's birthday. Uh, then we went to studios, you saw um, Hollywood studios, we saw not one, not one other dog team, which was nice. I, I haven't had that happen in the longest time. Uh, here, Deb says Neptune Beach have, has enforcement. The city councilman is the CEO for Kid on for Warriors. That's awesome, Deb. Can you, um, if there's any info, can you send that over to me? Because I would be very interested in seeing that because it's needed. It is desperately needed and it needs to be there because it's needed desperately. <laughs> Um, and it needs to go into it and it needs to be publicized because I'm tired of it. I'm tired of these little purse dogs. I'm tired of these ill-trained dogs who are so big and they're pulling their owners everywhere. Uh, probably not the last time we were in studios, but one of the last times there was a big old black lab and he was just pulling his owners everywhere. And then he saw our dog and starts pulling. Now, was he pulling to kill us or to say hi? I don't care. It was unacceptable behavior. Um, Shane says... The problem is, though, that can be a law in states that misrepresenting your dog is an XYZ crime, but so many law enforcement don't know that, so they don't even charge the offending person. You are totally right. And that's why we as service dog handlers, we need to know these laws. So if something happens, okay, so I'm out with Gypsy, and some dog comes and tries to, like, maul her. I'm going to file a police report, and I'm going to make sure I say um, when, when we're getting that police report filed, you know, like, you know, there's a, a statute against this, right? Cause you're right. The, the police don't know, uh, because they have so many other things to worry about that really I'm sure service dogs, they're like, really seriously. 
And for us and for everyone, it is a big deal. Um, and it might not be, you know, like, oh, well, a little dog was in here. But we need to educate stores. We need to educate businesses on what their rights are and that this is uh, a, a misdemeanor in these different states. For example, I have a friend who owns a, an amazing restaurant down in Cedar Key. And she had commented on one of my posts that they have so many people who try to get their dog into the restaurant um, in bags, of course, claiming their service dogs. And she says, what are we going to do? I'm like, you have your two questions. As long as they answer those and there's nothing that the dog's doing that's bad, you can't really say anything else. Even if you think they're lying to you, as long as the dog is being haved um, and acting appropriately, you know, your hands are tied. Now say the health inspector comes in and sees this dog sitting there and says to the person, is that a service dog? Because the health inspector is the one, like this restaurant could lose their license if they're allowing dogs in the restaurant, right? Um, or a grocery store could lose their whatever permits if there's dogs allowed in the grocery store, unless they're service dogs. So you have to ask to cover your butt. If they have the right answers, nothing really you can do about it. She goes down and puts her dog on the chair beside her and puts a little plate there for the dog and puts some food there that you can ask to leave because you can't have that. That is not allowed. Okay. So that's whenever you come up and you say, I know you said your dog's a service dog. That is not allowed. Um, even one of the things I do recommend businesses do and I recommend service dogs do as well is know and have a copy of the service dog. Um, the ADA's frequently asked questions about service dog. It is, I want to say about four or five pages. Um, it's online. You can print it off as a PDF. What I do is I keep it as a, a shortcut key on my phone underneath my, in my service dog folder. So then I can just pull that up and show it to somebody or um, screenshot it and circle the part that I need. And the nice thing with that is, you know, you have that. So here, here's the problem here. Here's, here's where, you know, it says that your dog cannot be on the seat next to you at the restaurant. Um, officer, here's where it says that your dog shouldn't be lunging at me. You know, they have to still behave. They can't be naughty. Um, and, and they do need help with that. So Deb sent me, I'm going to copy this Deb so I can look that up. And it is from First Coast News. She shared it with everybody on here. It's illegal to have a fake service dog in Neptune Beach. Uh, and this was back February of 2017. Nice. So, yeah, he has a, uh, he was at a hotel recently. This one guy, Brian Foltz, with a service dog for PTSD. And they didn't believe his dog was a service dog. And that's part of the problem, too, is, you know, Last time the dog was in, he was, you know, a, a dog was in, he was a jerk and people lied about it. And now I'm here with my dog and you don't think it's real. Um, Jeff asks, have you ever heard Dawn confronted me about my service dog? I showed them their, her med record showing her shots. She asked the question and she tried to get us removed. We ended up having to wear a blue gown, nothing she could do. Um, I don't understand what that means, Jeff. Can you... Clarify a little bit. Faking a service dog, Deb says, can now result in 60 days in jail, 30 hours of community service, and a $500 fine. And that is awesome. It's what it should be. Um, so there are some things, like your service dog might be having a bad day. We were at a furniture store once with Arrow, and we just, we, we popped in. The furniture store was like less than a mile from my house, maybe two miles from my house. Um, so we wanted to look at furniture. So Rich and I and Arrow are at this furniture store looking. Now, of course, Arrow doesn't jump up into the bed or under the couch or anything like he knows better. But we're in the way back of the store, and it's all carpeted, and it's a big furniture store, right? A big store. And he starts, ooh, ooh, ooh. Like, he has to throw up. And I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, I'm never going to get him out of here. Like, he's going to end up throwing up on this carpeting just because I didn't realize he had a tummy ache because he was fine at home. So what do I do is they had bathrooms right there. So I got him into the bathroom, which had linoleum, and see if he had to chuck anything out. And he didn't. He didn't throw up. Um, but if he did, you know, we were there uh, and then I got him out of the store. Rich finished up with the shopping and uh, and I just I went out in the parking lot and I just walked him back and forth in the grassy area to see if anything was going to come up. And nothing did. But things can happen. Uh, we were at, Dis at uh, not Disney Universal. Yeah, maybe it happened at Disney, too. It's happened before at a couple of different parks. 
where, you know, walk and walk and walk and walk and the dog just poops. Like we get it cleaned up right away. Um, someone's trying to take a picture of it. I'm like, what the heck? Like, why are you trying to take a picture of dog poop? Like we're cleaning it. Like it just came out. We grab a bag. Rich is cleaning it up. I'm in the chair. And, uh, and this woman tries to take a picture of the dog poop. Like, no, you know, we rinse it off. We, we get it all taken care of and we continue on. People are weird. Um, and it happens like accidents happen. My favorite, well, not favorite, but the most embarrassing one was we were walking, we were at magic kingdom and we were walking up the ramp to, you know, it's Cinderella's castle, the big castle right there. And a dog just pooped. So I stopped and blocked while it got cleaned up and people were like, I can't believe why is that girl stopped right there? And I'm like, trust me, you don't want to walk this way. Um, but yeah. Um, Shane said, I actually would love the airlines and ACAA, which is the Air Carrier Accessibility Act, to enforce something where if you fake a service dog, you're banned from the airline too. Yeah, well, that's, there's, um, they just came up with something. <laughs> I don't know exactly what it is. Um, the air carrier people about what they can and can't allow. So basically any breed bans, like some of them were um, no pit bulls. No pit bulls is not right. They have to do it by the individual dog. Um, no dogs under four months old, or they don't have to take dogs under four months old. Well, I did fly with Django at three months old to gold school back in May, but I also got the airline's permission. I didn't just show up and say, fly them. Because I said so. Um, so, you know, you have, you have that. Uh, you know, you can always ask permission and get permission for it. And sometimes, yes, it's better to ask forgiveness than permission, but sometimes it's not. Um, so, yeah, there needs to be something more. Um, and I believe that there needs to be something with the AD or with the, um, the emotional support dogs on airlines. I think they need to have some sort of training, some sort of public access stuff. Because putting an untrained dog, which emotional support dogs do not need to be trained up in a metal tube is never good. Michelle says, you couldn't did that at Walmart. I cleaned it up. It was all good. Yeah, like I said, it happens. It's not something like your dog shouldn't be having a whole bunch. But a service dog can have an accident or two. Shane, yeah, although you, you, you are also a professional trainer. I am, yeah. Yeah, like I said, I, I did get permission. I showed him um, a letter from the vet. Um, I had his Instagram that I sent. I had his training log showing that, you know, we've been training him since we got him at eight weeks old. We've been training him for a month. Uh, you know, it was all good that way. But we, uh, and it was still a lot. Would I fly again with a three-month-old puppy? No. Uh, you know, it worked. But that was really, it was hard on him um, because it was a whole week of having to be on. Like, he didn't get, like, just run around time because he still wasn't fully potty trained. He, he did have one accident and it was luckily it was at Jackie's we were working him um, during one of his turns to be worked uh, we were working him and he was a little bit distracted and then he peed and pooped so you know luckily it was there it wasn't at the hotel it wasn't at the store because we stopped at the, we always stop at the store we get there and get some waters and stuff it wasn't you know at the airplane at the airline at the airport it wasn't in the rental car luckily it's the one place where it would have been okay which was at jackie's <laughs> which sounds terrible but you know like i said hey if it's gonna happen that's the best place for it to happen at um but but it is it, it was difficult and that's why we are putting off breeding gypsy until February is because I need a dog for September, for October, and for November, and she's going to be the best one for it. Not Candy, not Django Gypsy, because she's had all the time with me, especially for November. November is a month, a week of gold school or silver school. It's five days, and she has to sleep underneath the table for most of that. Well, that's going to be perfect for her. So that's what we're going to do. Um, Shane also says, an you're just like on it tonight, girl. I love it. Um, an unpopular opinion, but for emotional support animals, why not just require them to wear muzzles on a flight? I feel like that would significantly help the bite problems. Oh, I agree with you. Um, I have a friend up in Canada who's a professional dog trainer with a service dog, and he flies the service dog down here with them. And he, uh, they made him muzzle the dog during one of the flights. So, I mean, honestly, muzzle all dogs during the flights. As long as they can open their mouth. Do a basket muzzle. Don't do the sling muzzle where they can't open their mouth because it looks like goose. Do a basket muzzle on the flights and all the biting's gone. Unless someone's going to do one of these and stick their finger in, which they shouldn't do. And in that case, they kind of deserve to get bit anyway. Um, but yeah, you could totally do that. 
Uh, but then you're going to get, well, I have a breakfast of Alec Dog and he can't be in a muzzle. Well, that's why you use a basket muzzle. <laughs> you had your Wheaties this morning. You did. Um, so yeah, so, so, so we have that. So like I said, I know that's a huge key. I have two big red flags when I'm talking to people. Now, if you're looking at our service dog school, the end of February, you're going to hear this again, but two big red flags when I'm talking to people is when they ask about service dog certification, I tell them that there's no requirement. There's nothing I can give them saying your dog is a service dog officially end of story period that's going to make their dog a service dog it is the training it is the upkeep on that training and there's a lifetime of upkeep on that training that does it and they're like you mean i don't need to okay bye like i know they're fakers i know there's nothing i'm not going to try to go after them i'm not going to try to educate them because they're going to find out on their own hopefully um and then the other thing is uh, whenever they tell me that they really 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 need a service dog they need it they need a service dog well one of my programs is um, a boot camp. It includes a five-week boot camp. It includes private training. It includes our online course. If you're local, it includes group classes. It includes going to Disney and Universal, field trips, meetups. You know, it includes everything that you need, right? But it has to be paid off before the boot camp begins. So I've also had people, oh, I need that. I need you to start my dog next week with this boot camp. It needs to be fully done. Well, it's not going to happen in two months to be fully done. But I need this so bad. And I promise I'm good for it. I promise I'll pay you. Can you please just start my dog now? And I will make payments during it and after it. No. No, 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 no. Huge red flag whenever I tell them that, no, we don't do it that way. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, that we don't do it that way. That it has to be paid in full before the dog starts the boot camp. And they're like, but please, I promise, I promise, I promise I'll pay you for it. And I said, look, if you start paying now, we can start with the privates. We can start with the groups, with the semi-privates. There's a lot we can do, but I cannot have your dog start boot camp until that boot, that price is fully paid for. And I never hear of them again. And I know then that they're not looking to ever have paid me because, you know, I'm offering you a lot. I'm offering you access to the online courses, the online school, actually. I'm offering you group classes, semi-privates, meetups at Disney and Universal, field trips, private training with me, all starting right now. I just can't do the boot camp until it's fully paid for. And they say no. You know, like that's not good enough because I didn't give them everything. So those are two of the really big red flags that we look for uh, because we want, we want the people who need it to have a service dog. Um, Tiana asks, is Candy your dog? She is, yes. So we have Gypsy, we had Gypsy and Arrow and Roma. Last year we had those three. Roma is now with Carolyn up in North Carolina. So she was just down for boot camp, which is why you had pictures of Roma back up. Um, and then Arrow passed away, which left me with just Gypsy. And since we plan on breeding her, when you breed a dog, they're pregnant for two months and they have the puppies with them for two months. So you have four months in total, but you have two months where the dog's out of commission for that last month of pregnancy and that first month um, after they're born, the dog is out of commission and they shouldn't really be fully stressed during that time anyway. So I was like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, you know, what am I going to do? And so we put the deposit in on one of Ivan's Malinois because I told him I wanted the most social. I wanted it as a service dog, but I kind of liked having a Malinois. So we, um, and I surprised Rich with it too. Ha <laughs> ha. Which you shouldn't do. Don't ever do that. But uh, but so we we did that. And then we figured we would wait until the fall because I didn't want to bring home a puppy in the summer. And one of the April go-homes, he was saying that, you know, that's not going to work out for us. You know, just where, where I fell on the list. So it'd be a July go-home. So we were going to ask him if we could just wait and do it in like October or after but he was like, so we found candy. I actually had a friend find candy for me on, uh, we, she found her on Instagram and sent her over to me. Um, I contacted, I negotiated with them. Yes, it was a go. We paid for candy. And that same exact night, I got a text from Ivan saying, here's your new dog. <laughs> so we went to pick him up the next day, which was Rich's birthday on April 24th. And told him, you know, we're like, oh, my gosh, you're never going to guess what happened. He says, well, if, if you don't want him right now, I, I don't know when I'm going to have another dog who's going to be so perfect for you. So we're like, no, 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 we'll take him. And then Candy took about a month to get her over here. So that's why I'm training up two of them right now. And then we have been so busy this summer. And we kind of made our schedule a little clear right now. So we can start it on redoing all those online 
uh, videos for you guys for the courses and everything for the online school. We wanted to redo all of those. Um, but Candy, and then Candy was in heat for the last three weeks too. So, you know, it's been a weird struggle and a weird trying to bounce them around. But right now, I don't have any service dogs in, so they get all our service dog attention, which is awesome. And I got to take Candy to uh, Disney Studios yesterday. She's gone to studios for Disney. She's gone to Universal, um, both Islands of Adventure and um, Universal Studios, and she's gone to SeaWorld. <laughs> but she's only been to Walmart once or twice. You know, it's weird. You know, she's gone on to eat with us a few times. Um, but she's going to be amazing. I'm really impressed with her, especially coming off of being in heat and not getting a lot of work in. So that's my goal is to get her. So maybe we could take her to one of the workshops. Um, if not, she'd totally be ready for February. And why Candy, why I went with an older, because I like working with the younger ones so much. I don't know if I'll do an older one again, but with Gypsy being too short for mobility, for me, I kind of needed that. And her height, she's taller than Arrow is. So we were able to get her in and start her right away with her service dog stuff and mobility stuff. And mobility is one of the easier ones to train depending on it. So we already have her working on brace, working on counterbalance, working on forward momentum pool, um, which are what I need from her. We also need to get her where she's retrieving because um, Gypsy has an amazing retrieve. Um, I need to get her and Django both retrieving because I need that too. And if they don't get to do medical alerts, that's okay. But we need that. We need that retrieving. Um, and then hopefully the medical alert. And so much so that Django, Rich hates this. He hates it, guys. Um, but he's not here right now. He had to run to the store. I just saw him drive away. Uh, I did the picture, if you saw the pictures that I put up um, of Gypsy at Epcot. And we're doing pictures with the three dogs that we had there, which was Holstein, Peach, and Gypsy. And we're getting pictures of all three of them together. And I love our poses. I'm going to give you guys the secret because I use my phone for it. Is you put the phone on the ground, basically, and you get the, the dog. You get that awesome shot of the dog looking very Superman-ish, right, with the whole thing behind them. So it looks amazing. But how you do that is lying on the ground because – or you can tilt and put the phone on the ground. But I have a privacy filter on mine, so that's not how I do it. I have to get on the ground. So I get on the ground. Gypsy comes running over and lays down right next to me. That's what she does. It's one of her tasks is if I pass out, if I'm on the ground, I want her right next to me to help reorient me back to the here and now. So that's one thing I want with Django. So if any of you have POTS or syncope issues, this is a good one. So how we start it is if I lie down, come up next to me. If I'm on the couch, you can come up next to me. If I'm on the floor, I definitely want you to come up next to me. Gypsy cannot jump onto the bed. Django can. He's not even six months old yet, and he's jumping up onto the bed all on his own. It's a pretty high bed. Uh, so he's allowed to nap with me. So last night, he, Rich doesn't want him to sleep with us, though. So last night, he slept with us the whole night because he was down between my legs and on one side of my legs the entire night. And I'm like, if he stays right next to me like this, I'm okay with it because that's what I'm going to need is if I am down, that's good. And then I did nap today, and he laid down right next to me um, around my, my core, you know, my tummy and my my hips and my legs and stuff. He just, he was nuzzled up right beside me that whole time. So he's already starting learning his tasks, which, you know, if I'm down, this is what you do, uh, which is fantastic because he's going to be a beast monster of a dog. I call him my heathen. Okay. So going back on some of these comments, um, Shane says they also have the full face muzzles for the tiny snout dogs. Yeah, most definitely. Um, Michelle says my dad was on a flight where the dog had it Shooting at both ends, which made for a miserable trip. Oh, my gosh. I've not yet had an accident in flight. One of the things I do is I really watch their food the day before, and they don't eat the day of. I don't eat the day of either because uh, it can make me a little ill in the flight. So it works out good for morning flights. So if I have an evening flight, I'll pick a little bit in the morning, but I try not to eat too much before a flight, um, and I make sure my dog doesn't either. They can eat when we get there but I want them good. Now, one of my dogs, Boo, the Siberian Husky, I could hold a plastic grocery bag, not a plastic poo bag because they're smaller, but like a plastic Walmart bag on her back end when she went to squat to potty and she'd poop right into that. So that was nice. Um, it's something I recommend if you can do it. So how, how do you train that? You take a plastic bag and you get them used to the crinkle of it and moving around, walking with the plastic bag, crinkling while they're, while they're normal and then while they're pottying too squatting down while they're potting and standing up, spinning down and pottying, 
while they're potting and sanding up by their back end, crinkling it. You just put all those pieces together, a little bit here, a little bit there, and uh, and see if you could do it. Now I've had other dogs where you go to do that and they're like, you are not. Okay, I won't. If I really wanted to, I would, but I'm okay with it. Uh, so yeah, Candy's mine, Gypsy's mine, um, Django's mine, and then we have two Border Collies too, so we have five dogs. <laughs> but Rue proved his worth on Sunday. The cows got, we had group class, the cows got out into the neighbor's property because the fence, chain link fence is not meant to holding cows. Um, so they were over there. So Rue got to herd up cows and it was really neat seeing him doing that. I should have got video of it, but I didn't. Um, Sabrina asked, how long do people, how long do you give people to pay off boot camp? It's, it has to be paid off before we begin boot camp for the service dog program. So the, and you can get on dreamk9.com and look at our pricing and everything. Um, but you get everything immediately. Now, if you can only pay a hundred dollars a month, I'm not going to give you a private session every week at a hundred dollars a month. You get like one private session a month. If you're going to pay, say, 200 to 250 a month, you'll get two private sessions. But you can still do group. You still get the online course. Um, but if you skip a session or skip a payment, I pull you from those. Uh, if most people pay about 500 a month, um, I've had people ask if they could pay like 100 or 200 dollars a month on our big program. That's going to take years and years to pay off. And you do not want your dog starting boot camp whenever he's five and six years old. So I've had people who start paying off before they even get the dog because they know they want to use me. That works. I'm happy to do that. Um, I've had people who <clears throat> make payments, make payments, and then do a lump sum. That works. But um, but the boot camp has to be paid off for the service dogs before the boot camp starts. So we've had some people who have to reschedule it. That's fine. You know, um, not not ideal because their dog still needs it. And then they're working, you know, they have a dog who still needs a training to be a service dog, but he's not yet. Um, but but it's it's doable. And then for the pet dog training, um, it's either paid off in full at drop off. Or if you want to let it slide until pickup, I need half and half plus a little bit extra. So there is a discount if you pay it off all right there. If that makes sense. And Carolyn says, thanks again. Roma's awesome. So yeah, Roma was just down for boot camp. And we actually got to keep her next year week. So we had her for six weeks. Um, little Bailey, the little one we had to shave, we had him in for seven weeks. For some dogs, it's fun. Like Roma, I love. Bailey, I loved having him in longer because he needed it. Um, Roma, uh, it was just, it was nice having her longer. And I'm still saying, Carolyn, you've got to get down here. Um, Tiana asks, how do you handle having multiple dogs when one is in heat? So the one in heat spends a lot of time in the crate. So when um, Candy was in heat, she was in the dog room quite a bit. When Gypsy's in heat, she's usually in the bedroom and she gets crate time. So any intact males that I have, so Arrow was an intact male for um, Gypsy's first heat um, and he was gone by her second heat. Uh, Django's an intact male. Like they don't get to play together. So Django's going to be really sad when Gypsy goes into heat. Um, oh, well, things happen. Gypsy, I don't wear panties on her. I have them. She hates them. Um, and it's hard with her tail because her tail's so long and fluffy and she's so fluffy. Candy, I think it would be a lot easier to put the diaper panties on her and have her go about. But I didn't do that to her. I just, I didn't work her during that time. She just got a lot of crate time. And so Gypsy will too. And that means Django will get more crate time. None of them have been annoying. You know, like he's not, an Arrow just didn't care. Arrow worked around intact females all the time. Um, but Jenga's only a puppy, so we'll see how he does. But it's nice whenever they are in heat to have that other dog who can work as a backup. And so since we plan on breeding Gypsy the Golden and Candy the Doberman and Roma the Poodle, it's nice to have Django, you know, the, the male, because I don't have to worry about that. Um, but yeah, yeah, so... So certified dog certifications, back to that, that guys, <laughs> keep getting off track. Um, of course, you guys can, can still comment if you have questions or, or anything else that we can tangent off of, but there are no officials. So this is what we recommend to people for service dog certification. What you need is you need to have documented training times. So we do have a training log. We provide for free a copy of what you can use for your training log. We talked to you about how to set up your training binder. You should do all of that. You need to for your service dog. And I don't count training in my home 
I count outings only for my dogs because they get so much of it. So for example, we spent five hours at the at studios yesterday. That is five hours that I'm going to add into Candy's binder, not five hours plus 45 minutes travel there and 45 minutes travel back, uh -uh, just the five hours for it. Because um, we want to know what we did. And so I'll put down five hours. So say she's at 20 hours plus the five hours is going to be 25. So I keep a running total, the date, where we went to Hollywood studios, what we worked on, you know, healing with the wheelchair, ignoring everybody focusing on me. We did some mobility. Like if I had to go up to use the bathroom, it's pain to always have to wheel the chair in and deal with all that. So sometimes I'll leave the chair with Richard Luke and I'll head in, <coughs> excuse me, I'll head into the bathroom. So, you know, she'll use that or I'll use her for that. And that was really, really nice. Um, you know, so we, we work a little bit that way. Um, but just dealing with everything. She got her character pictures yesterday. We did Kylo Ren, uh, who's always my favorite. Um, Samantha asked, is it ever too late to start a training log? I haven't really heard of them until I thought it was too late into training to start one. So Gypsy, I didn't do hers right away because I got busy and distracted. So what I did is I went through her Instagram. And if I did a picture of her at Disney, I would write down, okay, here, I know about how long I usually spend at Disney. So I could add that in there. So hers, I went back and did retroactively. Django and Candy, I am terrible at writing them down in the binder when it happens. So I keep it in my notes uh, on my phone. Apple, so it's the notes thing. Um, Django went to, where did he go? McAllister's the other day. So I put down the date. We were there for an hour. And then I'll put Candy. So then I, when I sit down with, at the, with, the, with their binders, I can just go and fill those out. Uh, but no, it's never too late, Samantha. You can start one now. You can retroactively do it if you have proof that they've done it. Now, say you have proof, but you don't have everything. Um, that's one of the reasons, too, I like having the Instagram account for the service dogs and why I have so many flipping Instagram accounts. I have the Dream Dogs. I have the Ranch. Um, I have the Art Stuff. I have Django, Candy, Roma, Gypsy. Um, I think I have another one, too. Oh, and Hope. So we have a lot of Instagrams because they all have a target audience. And it was really nice to be able to say... Here's Django showing that, you know, what we're working on is showing that he is out in public, video clips of him and everything else showing that he is doing really good as a service dog in training. Um, so, so for me, I like this. So I went back, like I said, retroactively for Gypsy. You can just take it from here on going forward. Um, it's not a problem. Uh, you, and then once I hit 120 to 150 hours, I stopped documenting. So like I haven't documented Gypsy in like a year now because like I have enough documented on her. But in the training binder, we also have the certifications that the dog has earned. So all her her CGCs, her star puppy, her trick dog titles are all there. Anything else I would get, there's a whole section for that. Her public access test is in there. Um, we have one for medical stuff. So every time we go to the vet, that's where it goes. So I have all her vet records right there. Um, I have extra stuff. So for that, it's the Golden Retriever Club. Um, I have that information in there and then I have on from her and that, that'll become her breeding, you know, section probably. But then I also have her, um, her breeder papers. Oh, my iPhone has been updated and apparently that's how it got to uh, alert me that it's been updated. Okay. Um, so yeah, so we have all her breeder paperwork, her AKC papers, her microchip, like everything is in each binder. So if I need something for Django, I get the Django binder. If I need something for candy, the candy binder and gypsy gets the gypsy binder. But that also means I have three binders I have to keep up with. But like I said, for me, it works. Um, and then once I hit the 120 to 150 hours, I don't document anymore. You can, you are more than welcome to, but that's what you need for your service. Because you need to have the log showing that you've done the training. Because if not, have you done the training? Um, yeah. Show me proof. Um, I don't have any. Whereas if you have the Instagram, you have proof. Like, look, here's him at Home Depot. Here's him at Lowe's. Here's him at McDonald's. Here's him at Walmart. Here's the training log showing. See how they match up? It's the same dog. Uh, here's his CGCs. Here's his public access test. Here's his trick dog titles showing that there's a progression in training there. Here's all his medical stuff showing that he's up to date and that he's been at the vet. If you can get a letter from your vet saying your dog's amazing, that works out really good too. Um, you need to, I tell people, um, document, document up the wazoo. When we do the public access test, bring a friend if you want to, to hold your phone and videotape the whole thing. Cause then you have proof at this day, at this time, this is how your dog behaved.
If not, at least you have the paperwork showing that your dog passed the public access test. Same thing with tasks. Videotape the dog doing tasks, or at least get a picture of the dog doing the task, but video is better. Um, and then put that either on a, um, a zip drive, a thumb drive, a USB drive, right? You could put that on a USB drive, get one of the, for your binder, how they have the pencil cases that fit in there with the three holes in it and the zip. So you can put, keep that, that can hold your microchip information. That can hold, um, like when Gypsy got her x-rays, they gave us a copy of the x-rays on a, a USB drive. That USB drive is in there. Why? Because if I just put it in one of the rings, I would lose it and I don't want to lose it. So, you know, we have all that in there. You have to be proactive. Then if there's ever any problems, I have the training binder right here. When we travel with her this fall, we're going to um, September, we're doing an IACP conference in Colorado Springs. Uh, October, we are going up to North Carolina for Marina Azuna's uh, movement workshop. And then in November, we are going to uh, Missouri for Silver School. So she is a jet set girl, you know? And for those trips, am I going to bring her training binder or not? I might if so. It's going to be a carry on. Um, I don't, usually don't bring a carry on. So I do have copies of everything in my Dropbox file. I have my Dropbox attached to my phone. It's vet records and in there I'll have Gypsy's vet records, Django's vet records, Candy vet records. So it'll say like Gypsy, January 5th, 2019. Gypsy rabies, 2019. Gypsy um, CGC, Gypsy trading log one, two, and three. So I have everything on there. If I need to show it to somebody, I have it if I don't have the physical book with me. But that, my dears, is how you prove that your dog is a service dog. It's the training that proves your dog is a service dog. If your dog magically makes you feel happy, that is not a service dog. That is what dogs do because they're magic. Um, but it's not a service dog. The service dog has to be task trained to mitigate a disability. So if you don't have a disability, you don't have a service dog. Well, but my dog was trained to be a service dog and then he retired. And so we adopted him and we just bring him everywhere to keep up on the training. Wrong. You are doing it illegally. Don't do that. It's wrong. If your dog is not a service dog for you, you cannot bring that dog out in public unless you're training the dog for somebody else. But if I would give you Gypsy, okay, and you have come up with something that Gypsy wouldn't do, you're diabetic and you just need her to sniff out the highs and lows and she doesn't do that, she is not your service dog, even though she's my service dog. So you cannot take her out in public and be like, she's my service dog. Um, if you want to take her out and be like, we're training her to now be my diabetic alert dog, that's a different story, but you see where you have to know what it is that you're doing and where the dog's at. So if I would send her up to Myrtle Beach to live with my parents for a month without me, without Luke, without Rich, they can't take her around and say that she's their service dog because she's not. She hasn't been trained for them. Um, now, say somebody has the same condition I do or something that's not the same, but Gypsy could help with and they have the training to do it then we're talking, it's a different story, okay? Um, but if your dog magically tells you three weeks before you have a seizure, that is not what dogs do. They don't tell you three weeks before you have a seizure. Um, Karen, Nurse Karen, our Gainesville trainer, and I were talking. We're in talks to get some awesome equipment from these different companies um, to help with the gluten and the diabetic training. So, so she's working on that. and then. Um, She'll bring me in. So that'll be fun. But uh, but some of this stuff, for example, one of the things I've heard is my I'm three states away and my dog knew whenever I my blood sugar was low. No, he didn't. He might know because every day you come home from school at two o'clock and you eat a sugary snack and then your blood sugar skyrockets at like 2.30. That might be the case. And so it's 2.30 and dogs used to the fact that your blood sugar is skyrocketing and he's looking for you to tell you that your blood sugar is skyrocketing because it always skyrockets at this day. Psst, that's how we train dogs to do medication reminders is at the same time every day you give them a treat, you feed them whatever, and they start bucking you that same time every day because they know it's time for them to get their treat or their food. So you're like, oh, take my meds. My dog's bugging me about it. That's how we train it. Uh, and then we had one of our client dogs, um, Hurricane Irma comes through, they lost power for like three weeks. They didn't know what time it was for three weeks. 
the dog let her know three times a day when it was time to take her meds because of all the training he had. So why do you teach that whenever you can set a phone reminder on your, an alarm reminder on your phone? Well, what happens if you don't have your phone with you? You still need that. Um, so, so, you know, we do that or it's habit. It's not telling you that it's habit. Well, my dog told me four hours before I had a blood sugar low. That's not how it works. You don't know four hours before you have the low because it changes. Now, by the time the blood gets from, say, your shoulder to your finger, there might be a 10-minute lag time on it. So, yeah, your dog can let you know before then that you test, your dog's telling you, hey, 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 and you test your finger and you're like, I'm normal. Test it again in five minutes. Test it again in 10 minutes and see if it's dropping, if you're not going to take anything or do anything about it. But don't say, oh, my dog told me three hours before that I was going to drop a low. My dog's a genius. Because I've heard it. I've heard all these weird stories. And, and they're just, they're baloney. Hi, Nicole. Um, so, you know, you do have have those things that you need to, to be aware of, too. Um, if your dog naturally alerts to seizures, you have to shape that alert. Your dog can't decide to stand and, and look at you and bark and jump all over you and have that be his magical alert. You need to make it something nice. So one of the things I prefer for my alerts for my dogs is a quiet alert. I don't like barking. I don't like pawing as alerts. I like nice alerts. I like nose bumps. And we actually are coming up with a really good one recently uh, for some of the dogs uh, that doesn't involve pawing your leg at all. Um, it involves, I'll tell you what it is. Instead of nose bump your leg, holding the hand up, nose bump my hand. So they smell the gluten. Now think if you have a plate, if I have a plate here of food and I ask my dog, does this have gluten on it? Does this have peanuts on it? Does this have corn or milk or whatever your allergen is? Does this have shellfish on it? Your dog can sniff the little plate of food. Now say it has it and you teach your dog a bump alert. Do you want your dog to bump that plate and send that food flying? No, not at all. You don't want that. So does this have shellfish on it? If it does, bump right here. And if he bumps right there, you know it has shellfish on it. Takes a lot of training, but it's really nice. Hi, Ruth. Um, it's really nice to be able to have that because then you don't have to worry about the dog bumping the plate out of your hand and spilling it all over the place. Bumps the plate in your hand and spills food all over the place at the restaurant. Whose fault is it? It's your fault. Technically, it's the kitchen's fault for sending you stuff that you don't need. But, you know, that's something that they could ask you to leave because you're spilling food all over the place. Okay, Jeff's back. He says, my wife checked into a special hospital after several days. I think a week, the director or nursing tried to get us kicked out of the hospital. I told her I gave them a copy of Laddie's medical records and she still tried her best. Even she's making us don the blue plastic ground where my right, I know my right is to keep my service dog with me legally. I have to down, don the gown every time my service dog has to wear a plastic gown that is made for the nurses. So if they're making you wear a plastic gown, then yes, your dog should wear a plastic gown. But if it is a, what is it? Sterile environment. Your dog should not be allowed in there. Uh, I don't bring my dog with me to the dentist. Well, I do, but I stay in the lobby. Uh, like say Rich is going in there for a cleaning. I'll go and I'll work a dog in the lobby perhaps, or I'll work a dog outside, but I do not want to take a dog back with me at the dentist. If I had a poodle, it would be a different story, but I do not need a gypsy fur flying and staying there after I'm gone. It's just, it's rude. I don't need a gypsy fur getting in my mouth while they're putting a filling in. And now I have a gypsy fur underneath the filling. Again, if I had a poodle or a dog who doesn't shed at all, not a doodle because doodles will shed, but a dog who does not shed at all, it might, might be a different story. Well, a dentist office is not a sterile environment. No, it's not. But again, I don't need hairs floating and getting into other people's mouths either. It's common courtesy, okay? Um, going to the hospital, when I went and had my DNC, I did not bring a service dog. I brought my service husband with me. Um, I don't know I haven't been in a hospital since Luke was born, except for some of this testing I had done before the DNC. And for that, I did leave the service dogs at home. I went yesterday and got blood drawn. I left my service dog in the car with Karen and Luke because it was just a drop off to go in and get blood work. I didn't bring candy in. Could I have used her? Yeah. But there, I have to be there to get the blood drawn. I don't want to have to be there with her. Now, I could bring her in next Monday whenever I have my doctor appointment. And I'll probably bring Gypsy because she's gone before. Um, 
but you know, with those things. So yeah, if, if they're asking you to don a gown, do it. Even my service artist has to wear a plastic gown. Gone. You know, if they make both of you do it, I don't have a problem with that because, you know, if they're making you don one and they're letting her come in with one, okay. And it's not just the medical records for Laddie either. You know, if they're asking, you can show that, see, here's the CGCs that we've we've done. And the CGC doesn't mean your dog's a service dog. It just shows that your dog has had the training. You know, here's the training log showing that your dog's had. Um, and not saying, Jeff, this is you particularly, but say Joe came in with his out of control dog and he's like, it's really a service dog. They should be allowed to ask for proof for that and say, show me that your dog's a service dog. Not <laughs> dance monkey, but you know, just, just show me the records that your dog's a service dog. And have you guys seen the, um, the video? It came out, I want to say last year, maybe the year before uh, of a girl trying to get her little dog into a baseball game in I think Houston, Texas, Texas somewhere. And the guy there, and he's like, no, you're telling me the dog is a comfort dog for emotional support or just a support dog. Like people have all different names. And that's part of the problem is we don't have the same name for everything. So emotional support dog is a comfort dog, is not a service dog or an assistance dog. So she's trying to get this comfort dog in because he makes her feel better because she had PTSD and anxiety. And the dog just makes her feel better just being there. That's not a task. So he's telling her the dog can't come in. He's showing her the ADA stuff saying that the dog is not task trained and cannot come in. And she is fighting him and they're recording it. And they put it out thinking that everyone's going to be like, oh, my God, that place is so mean. And instead, everyone's like, thank you. Like, I love that. That's what it's supposed to be. Because, you know, that's, that's not, it's not a service dog. You know, it's an emotional support dog. You can't bring an emotional support dog out acting like it's a service dog and expect people to listen, especially as people get more and more knowledgeable. Um, and I'm sure businesses have seen more stories than I've got. You know, like I get a lot with the whole, like, where do you get your vest so I can get one and pretend like my dog's a service dog too? Because we're both like normal and it's fun pretending that we're disabled, isn't it? No, it's not, you crazy person. Leave me alone. Um so yeah, so we have that, and uh, I remember that one. He schooled her. He did, Michelle. It was amazing, and someone shared it not too long ago, and I'm like, that is one of my favorite videos on it. Um, but you have to be respectful of the business when you're taking a dog out. Um, we went yesterday. I didn't do Star Tours because I was just feeling a little bit wonky, so uh, Luke and Karen did star tours and they kenneled Holstein. And so I just, they parked me down, down at the store at the, um, the star Wars trader show store there, you know, um, they parked me there and, um, and I, I wheeled through the store with candy and did some shopping. And then I hung out right out front. Uh, and, cause you can get the air conditioning right out front there. But I was as close to the the wall as I could be. And so I had candy. So I was doing some training with candy. And technically, we were in the flow of traffic, even though we were trying to be as up against the wall as possible. Like she wasn't behind my chair, you know, hiding. She was she was at my side and in front of me and at my other side. I was going to put video up of the training. And I'm like, <sighs> you know, because we're just sitting there. And there are people walking by all the time. Now, there was plenty of room. Like it was a... 10 foot, 12 foot opening. And like I said, I was parked as far out of the way as I could. I'm in a little alcove, but you know, still close enough. Um, so I'm not putting that footage up of her training there just because it, it's kind of in the walkway and it looks like it's in the walkway and I don't want to put that impression out there. So we try to stay as, as tucked away out of sight as possible, if that makes sense. Elena just says, yeah, she remembers that video. It was perfect. Man, it was wonderful. He said calm and he stood his ground with the laws and stayed calm. And that's a big one because I've had um, rejections, you know, from, from different um, restaurants usually. Uh, we have one hotel, you know, like, fine, I, I won't stay here because I don't want my food spit on and I don't want, you know, itching powder put on my sheets. You know, I'm, I'm fine moving, but you will get schooled on on what it is that you're supposed to do. Uh, Jennifer says the city employee did amazing during that ordeal. And then she says, my favorite reply to people asking where we got our vests is ask your trainer where they would like to get your vest from. Yeah, I'm not going to tell usually normal people where, especially people I meet out on the street. 
you know, where to get them. Yeah, you can get them enough on Amazon, you know? And that's one of the reasons why I like our custom vests is I don't want to be the, you know, look at it's just the Amazon vests, faker. I like my custom ones. So guys, I'm getting a little wonky right now. The world's starting to spin. That means I have to sign off. Certified dog certifications, wrapping that up. There are none. What we recommend is keeping a training log, keeping the medical log, keeping uh, videos, um, showing where your dog's at in the training, um, doing all the CGCs, doing the novice trick dog. If your service dog cannot pass the novice trick dog, is he really a service dog? You need the CGC and five tricks. And that would include going into your crate and staying there, going on place, touch, sit with a hand signal, and there's a bunch of other ones that are super easy. I don't have them all memorized, but any service dog worth his salt can get a novice trick dog title. And if that's all the further you go, that's fine. Intermediate advanced, it kind of works on the task stuff. So if your dog's doing tug-based tasks, there's tug-based things. Sent tasks, there's sent things. Pick up tasks, there's pick up things. So look at those. Not that every dog with that is a service dog, but your service dog should have that. If pet dogs can do it, your dog can do it. Okay? Ruth says feel better. Thank you, Ruth. So I will catch you guys later. Anyone who calls and asking me if I if I can certify their dog, this is where I'm sending them. So they get to hear all the rambling and all the craziness that just went on for the last hour. I hope you guys have a fantastic week. Um, and I will see you next week. Bye-bye.